when uh, talking about maximizing fruitfulness, one thing to consider is the, the process of the seed. That the seed gets planted, the seed takes root, the seed grows up, the seed produces fruit. And we understand this, that God is not only interested in getting the right seed planted in you, but God is also interested in removing that, that the uh, bad root or bad seed. As a matter of fact, something we see from the calling that he gave to the prophet Jeremiah in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10, uh, he said, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And one of the significant things that I want you to notice, and we pointed this out previously, is that God actually sent the prophet uh, uh, with this purpose and, and this particular uh, mission in mind. But if you notice, there's more words in this verse that describe the undoing of bad seed than the planting of the good seed. And sometimes there's a little extra work that has to be done to get out old stuff, to, to get out some, some old stumps and some weeds and things that just don't belong so, so that when God plants the new stuff, there's nothing competing for the soil. There's nothing that, that's going to hinder the, the maximum fruit growing from the seed of the word of God that's being planted in your life. But I got to tell you, uh, getting out some of that old stuff can sometimes take time. And it's uh, uh, m very much a necessity to get the junk out, so to speak. What, what the Bible refers that to in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, calls it the renewing of the mind. How many of you have ever heard that term before? Especially if you've been around here for a while. I know you have. So your spirit's a new creation in Christ, but your mind can still think things that are not right. Your, your mind can still think things that aren't in line with God and, and with the way he is with his character and with his word. So, so uh, what a blessing it is to have the opportunity to go ahead and get that old stuff out of there. Uh, misconceptions about God. Let me tell you, misconceptions about God and his character can so hinder us from having maximum fruit in our life. You see, because if you're thinking uh, that, uh, that, that you are the ant and God's the stomper who's about to stomp on you, then if that's your mindset about God, then you're, you're not going to go ahead and have the maximum fruit that you could have in your life. Why? Because your thought process about his character and what he's like is totally off. It's totally off. So therefore, that's going to hinder you from having maximum fruit in your life because in order to have that maximum fruit, you need to start with some very important ingredient called truth, which means what you believe about God has to be truth. What you think about God has to be truth. And, and, and here's the thing. If you're not sure whether you're thinking in line with truth or not, you've got a book full of truth. Hallelujah. And, and as you go ahead and compare your thinking according to what the word says, then you can immediately tell whether that thinking passes the smell test or not. All right. And one thing that we've uh, looked at in, uh, in uh, the s several sessions we've done is uh, 
Uh, if there's one parable that really nails this, it's called the parable of the sower. Jesus said emphatically regarding that, that if you get this one, woo, you, you could get any of them. If you understand this one, you can understand any. Now, um, in the parable of the sower, one thing that was very emphasized there is ground conditions. We know the process of the seed. The seed gets planted. The seed takes root. The seed grows up. The seed produces fruit. But even before getting to that point of sowing the seed, you can say, well, what kind of ground condition is this ground in? What kind of ground is this seed being planted in? Because ground conditions uh, were really some of the top enemies of the seed's success. In this parable, Jesus said, the sower goes out and sows the word. We, uh, we may use the word plant. We, we may not talk about sowing things in our garden, but we talk about planting things in our garden. So, so the, 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 the man with the seed was planting things in the soil. He said the sower sows the word as he was elaborating on what the, the meaning was of, uh, because he, he put out the parable. Then the disciples came and said, what does that mean? And Jesus elaborated to them what that means. Said the sower is sowing the word. He's planting the word and it's happening in various kinds of soil. And so because you've got various kinds of soil, you've got various kinds of results. Now, there was nothing wrong with the seed because the seed is the word of God. Ain't nothing wrong with the word. Come on. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. I mean, Jesus said, ain't no problem with the word. I mean, you got the word, you got it. You know, uh, uh, so, so the, the issue is certainly not with the seed. But the various kinds of ground had the same seed scattered over it and had different kind of results. Only one out of the four of the kind of ground that Jesus talked about in that parable produced a good harvest. And even there, one produced 30 fold, the other produced 60 fold, and, and the other produced 100 fold. So even in that category where people were having fruit, you had 30, 60, and 100. You had different degrees of growth. But I got to tell you, you know, uh, uh, I, I believe that we should always have our sights set on being fruitful in the maximum way, the, the maximum sense of the word. That, that we're, we're not just settling to say, well, at, at least I got a little sprout going here. But no, to, to, to get to the point where we're experiencing all of the things that God desires for us to experience. For us to be growing all of the things that God wants you to grow. Amen to that. So, so remember, if the seed is not producing something in this case, that is not a reflection on the seed. It's a reflection on the ground. There's two things that Jesus said, uh, and, and in the, the various Gospels, uh, you've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke that record that particular parable, the parable of the sower. But you see this, that the different ones might catch a different detail than the other one caught. And so you might have somebody highlight one thing that Jesus said and somebody highlight another thing that Jesus said. 
So if you put that all together, Mark highlights something that Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Make sure that what you're hearing really is the seed of the word and that you're not having some other kind of crazy seed planted in your garden. Good advice there. But then Jesus also said, and Luke records this in his rendering of the parable of the sower. He said, take heed how you hear. So you've got to take heed what you hear and a take heed how you hear. Well, what you hear is the content. What kind of seed is it? But how you hear has to do with the condition of the ground. And in this context, we're not talking about the dirt in your backyard. We're talking about ground as being your heart. Hallelujah. The, the ground condition of your heart. Because the seed that gets planted is really getting planted in your heart. So what can you do to go ahead and make sure that your heart is prepared to receive that seed and doesn't have uh, uh, rocks in there? You don't want to have a stony heart. Come on now. <laughs> you, you don't want to have thorns in there and things that will choke out the life of the word. You, you, you don't want to have anything in there but, but soil that has been worked over and, 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 and it has been tilled and has been prepared so that when the seed goes in, it's going to go ahead and produce the maximum harvest that God desires. Praise the Lord. Now, There are several verses that we've gotten into in this time that, that I, I, I think we just, you, you just need to highlight them and, and keep them before you because they are so very important when it comes to this and when it comes to having maximum fruit. Uh, one of those is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. Talking about the people of Israel that were looking to go into the promised land and it says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So you can have a whole lot of people hearing the same word, some profit from it, and some don't. And the difference is faith being mixed with it. When somebody mixes their faith with it, they say, God said it, I believe it, I'm taking that to the bank. You see, uh, uh, in, in the book of Numbers, it so beautifully illustrates it because you've got two different reactions from uh, out of 12 guys that, that heard the same word and heard the same message about the, the fact that God had provided the promised land for the children of Israel, that he had given it to them, and that they could go in and get it. And you have, out of these 12 guys, known as the 12 spies, you've got 10 of them that looked at it and said, yep, this land is everything God said that it was. Problem is, we can't do it. Two of those guys, Joshua and Caleb, looked at the same land, saw the same giants that the other guys saw, but these guys said, we are well able to overcome it. So they both heard the same thing, and they both came up with two very different results. 
Two guys saying, yes, we can. Ten of the guys saying, no, we can't. Why on earth was that the case? Because Joshua and Caleb believed that if God said it was theirs, you know, there, there was no, nothing else to talk about. If God said it's ours, if God said he has given it to us, case closed. They had a faith in the word of God that settled it right there, didn't think about it anymore, didn't wonder about it anymore, didn't process it or uh, wonder about it anymore, settled with the word of God right there. And the other guys looked at the word, then they looked at giants and big walled cities to be overcome. And then they looked at the word and then they looked at all this stuff, big walled cities and giants. And so they said, nope, can't do it, can't do it. And you know what? Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three that you can have what you say and they had exactly what they said they would have. The ones they said they could did, the ones that said they could not did not. The ones they said that said they could not died in the wilderness and never got to the promised land. Woo, that's a good lesson for me. I'd rather keep my mouth shut and not say anything than go ahead and let my mouth get me in trouble. Come on. Hey. So, so we, we see that. Hebrews 4, 1 through 2. Uh, 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 and verse 2 in particular, a very, very big verse regarding this particular subject. But then we also see James 1 and verse 21, another biggie. This one says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. What's that doing? You're clearing the stumps, clearing the brush, getting out the, the stuff that needs to get out of the way first. And then what do you do? You receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And receiving with meekness, that is how you receive. So that's a ground condition. So if you've got meekness in your ground condition, then, then it's something like, you know, our, our dearly beloved uh, uh, elder and usher and longtime member of the church, Dennis Sullivan, uh, I remember one night I was ministering, and, and it, the, the word just came out like this. If God says it, you just say, okay, and that's it. And that had such an impact on him where, for for uh, several weeks and months after that, he would say, every time I think of the word and something God said, I just say, okay. Just that simple kind of childlike faith. Hallelujah. The kind of faith Jesus told us to have. So, so that, that idea of just saying, okay, Lord, you said, that's all I need. And that settles it. That's receiving with meekness the implanted word where you're not going to go ahead and argue with God about it or say, well, Lord, did you consider this and did you consider that? But just a very simple faith is that, Lord, you said it. Everybody with me? Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the, the, that's those two verses right there, very big to what we're talking about because that Hebrews verse lets you see that not everybody has the same result. Everybody had the same word preached to them, the same seed planted in their garden, but the results varied and faith was a factor in where there was uh, a harvest, where, where there was profit is literally the word that's used there or whether there was not profit from the word they heard. And then we see this, the importance of receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able 
to save your souls. So that means it's able, means that the potential is there to do it. But whether or not you get the full complement and the full benefit of that salvation is not up to God, but it's up to you because the meekness factor is something you control. Praise the Lord. You control that. So therefore, if you're in control over that, you can go ahead and make sure that you're in a position of meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is just simply humility and attitude before the Lord. Where, where uh, I'll just take whatever you say and take it to the bank. It's as good as done. All I know, you said it. I know your character's good. So if you say it, that's all I need to know. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, one thing that we got into, and uh, it would be helpful to, to uh, uh, get into it a little bit more here, is the examining of the different types of ground that Jesus talked about in the parable. So he talked about wayside ground, and, and, and Matthew in the 13th chapter talked about that and showed how the enemy can come and steal the word when it's planted if it's not understood. And we're going to get back to that later. But understanding the word is important. And understanding the word is not up to God. Understanding the word is up to us. Because what does the Bible tell us about understanding? Proverbs says, with all your getting, get understanding. If you want it, you can have it. If you really want it, you can have it. Hallelujah. So that's one big key there. Wayside ground is where the enemy got to steal the word before somebody understood it. And here's the thing. If you want to keep the enemy from stealing the word in your life, if you immediately mix faith with it, and if you immediately look to put it into practice, then you're not allowing him the opportunity to go ahead and steal it from you because as soon as it got planted, you started doing something with it right away. Hallelujah. So therefore, his intention was to come immediately and steal it because the word, the word is the big threat to him. Oh boy, if that word takes, if that seed takes, then forget about it. I'm in big trouble. That's what the enemy is saying. So if you take the word and get going with it right away, living it, walking it, breathing it, sleeping it, meditating on it, holding on to it, getting the full benefit out of it, then he does not have the opportunity to steal. But if you let it lie dormant, don't get active with it right away, he has the perfect opportunity to snatch it from you. Now, stony ground, the Bible talks about that in, in, in this parable, where it's where the hearer receives the word and even hears it and receives it with joy and gladness, but they have no root. So they endure for a while or they believe for a while. And then tribulation, persecution, affliction, and time of temptation arise because of the word. Because the devil's threatened by the word. So, I mean, he doesn't want that word to take. So he's stirring up all this stuff because of the word. And these people get offended and fall away. They get offended because, Lord, I, uh, I didn't expect it to be like this, Lord. <laughs> Have you ever had that thought, I won't look? Oh, but you might have known somebody. Lord, I didn't expect it to be like this. Or, uh, Lord, I, uh, you know, I, I thought this would be 
easier than this. Who said anything about having to fight a fight? I'm fighting. I don't want to be fighting. What's up with that? And, and, and so these people, during this time when tribulation, persecution, and those other things come for the word, they, they, they get offended and fall away. Thorny ground, the, the, that's where you've got the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, but the key word is what they do. They enter in. And when they enter in, they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So what if you had those very same things coming against you, but they did not enter in? Then the word would not be choked, and then you could be fruitful. You see that? So if it's true one way, the opposite would be true. So if those things enter in would cause the word to be unfruitful in your life, then the opposite is true. Which means that if you are one who uh, 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 keeps these things at bay and do not allow the deceitfulness of riches and, and the cares of this world and the lust of other things to enter in, then, woo! If they don't enter in, they can't steal what you got, they can't mess with what you got, because they can only mess with it if it enters in. So if those things don't enter in, then the word can be maximum fruitful in your life. Praise God. But good ground, man, this is awesome. And what the three gospel writers say about the good ground is uh, something that I want to take time to focus in on tonight. The first thing is what Matthew said. Matthew 13, 23. It says, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. Now, the Greek word for understand there means to put together. So understanding the word, that's putting it together. Or shall we like to say it like this, uh, connecting the dots. And uh, uh, th that's a very important thing where, where, uh, when we're not just hearing the word and, uh, you know, kind of blind staring and what did he say and not, not being really focused. But no, I mean, when, when you're really digging in and, and when you're really wanting to know and when you really want to understand and when you really want to connect the dots, that, that's important because that, that is those people bear fruit. People who understand, people who put it together, people who connect the dots, those people bear fruit. Mark said this in his rendering of the same parable. Mark 4, verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So they accept the word. In other words, what they're doing is they're... Uh, uh, they're receiving it. They're taking it upon themselves. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one one word to define that is the word to admit. Not like admitting guilt, but to admit like, you know, you get a ticket to the movie and it says, admit one. So you're admitting it to your heart. You, you are giving it, granting it access and entrance into your heart. Hallelujah. You see that? Now, Luke 
uh, chapter 8, verse 15, uh, more insight into this good ground. Luke says it a little differently. Uh, Luke 8, 15, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Wow. So they, they hear, hear the word with a noble and good heart. They keep it, and then they bear fruit with patience. Oh, Lordy. So let's go ahead and look at uh, some of the insights from all three of these gospel writers, the three verses we just read, and, and let's go ahead and look at it like this. Understanding the word, what does that mean? Well, we already said this, that it means to put it together. It means to connect the dots. But always remember this, real disciples are inquisitive. When, when, uh, uh, when, when the disciples of Jesus could not cast out the devil out of somebody and they knew that they were commissioned to do it, they didn't just throw up their hands and say, well, it must not be the will of God. No, they went to the master and said, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? Disciples are inquisitive. Disciples ask questions. They're not content with a lack of understanding. When Jesus said parables, they went to him and asked him the meaning of the parable. That's so, so big. Now, talking about understanding and how important it is, let's look at this. This is Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, starting with verse 1, says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her, understanding as silver, and search for her, that being understanding, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand. So if you seek for her and search for her, then you understand. If you seek understanding and search for understanding, then you understand. What will you understand? The fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There's so much in there. And by the way, these notes are on the church website, faithccenter.com, so that you can go ahead and go over that, see the verses, highlight, do whatever you need to do, because this is so important. But you understanding the word is big. Now, now the, the Lord helps in this process because his spirit is a spirit of understanding. The Bible actually talks about the spirit upon Jesus in terms of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. So God will definitely help the understanding process. But somebody who's not interested in understanding, God's not going to go ahead and force feed it to you. So if you understand that, that if you're going to go ahead and get understanding, it's not going to be because God just opens your scalp and rewires the wiring in there so you get it. No, it's because there's a real desire for it because you're seeking him. What did Jesus say? Ask and you receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. You remember that? Same thing. You, you want something, go get it. You want something, go chase after it. 
So, so th this is not an automatic thing, even though God is involved in the process, there is that aspect of, uh, on our end, our inquisitiveness and our initiation to go ahead and gain the understanding. Amen. Now, how about Colossians 1, 4 to 6, and we'll read this out of the New Living. It says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives, from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Wow, that's a mouthful, y'all. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world and is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth. Understanding the truth will change your life. Understanding the truth will absolutely, positively change your life. So therefore, being an inquisitive disciple. You know, I, I mentioned somewhere along the way, um, you know, people that would come uh, and talk to me over the course of years and at one point in time, they would say, you know what? Uh, 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 Pastor John talks about that, and I really don't get it. And, and then, then uh, you know, they would say the same thing again. I really don't get it. Uh, uh, it, it you know, and they'd say the same thing again. It's like, you've been around all this time, and you're not getting it. That's not because it's not being taught. And it's not because it's not being explained. It's because you're not taking the necessary steps to really get a hold of this. If you want to get a hold of this, we can get it to you. If you, if you want to get a hold of this, if you're hungry, the, Jesus put his word on the line when he said that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. He didn't say those who hunger and thirst are going to leave hungry and thirsty. No, he said if you hunger and thirst after, you'll be filled. He said if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. So, I mean, Jesus put his word on the line that, that if you really want it, you can get it. Amen. Now, uh, the, the, the gospel writers also talked about the good ground in terms of accepting the word. We, we talked about that. That is a decision that is not automatic. And we talked about what accepting the word means. It means to receive it, to take it upon oneself, to admit. And we talked about that word admission like you're admitting uh, a ticket admits you to be able to enter the theater, let's say. So you're giving the word, uh, grant the word permission to be admitted into your heart, to enter into your heart, to be received into your heart. And then we talked about uh, the, another thing that the gospel writer said, hearing the word with a good heart, a good heart. And one aspect of that we see in Acts 17, 11. 
And this is what we were really uh, hitting the, the last time we were teaching and we're, we're getting ready to close. We hit these verses here. Uh, these, the, the Berean church, the Berean believers were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So one aspect of their good heart is that they weren't just going to go ahead and believe it because apostle so-and-so taught this to me. They weren't just going to believe it because the apostle Paul said it. They took the time to look into the scriptures for themselves to, to prove that what they were being taught was the truth. And you know what? That's exactly what they did. They looked there. They saw it. It was clear to them. It's the truth. Hallelujah. But here in 1 Thessalonians 2, you see a flip side of that. Because now you, you, you see an, another dimension of what it means to hear the word with a good heart. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So you see, in example one over in the book of Acts, they said, well, uh, no matter what is on your business card, Apostle Paul, we're going to go ahead and check you out in the book first to make sure you're telling the truth. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. But here you see the flip side of it where, you know what, just because they were hearing the word through a human being, they were not treating the word as though it were of human origin. They were treating the word as it actually was of divine origin, even though it was being told to them through a human vessel. And you see here, the way that they received the word of God, they did not go ahead and treat it like, well, that was old Joe telling me that. You know, old Joe, I've known him forever. Because you see, if they just look at the person who's ministering to them as they were just old Joe, then all they're going to get is old Joe talk. But if they realize that Joe is anointed, that Joe is equipped by the Holy Spirit to bring something to them from heaven, then they're not looking at Joe as old Joe anymore. They're realizing that these are not the words of Joe coming to me. This is the word of God Almighty coming through Joe to me. Hallelujah. That's another aspect of hearing the word with a good heart. And what we ended with was Acts 16, 14. This is beautiful. It says, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Something about being a worshiper. Oh, come on now. There's something about being a worshiper where when you come to God in worship and in honor and in reverence, you are allowing him to be able to go ahead and do something to open up your heart to hear things that you need to hear. Open up your heart to be able to receive the word the way you need to receive it. Hear it the way you need to hear it. Get it the way you need to get it. To be able to have that seed planted where it is taking root so you get maximum fruit. There's something about being a worshiper that allows the Lord to even go ahead and work in your heart. He, he opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. 
So talking about hearing the word with a good heart, when you are a worshiper, you allow the Lord to be able to open you up so that you are more receptive and more sensitive than a lot of people who just sat there and didn't worship. Come on now. I tell you what, I get the view. I get the view from the stage. I see people that just stand there and look around and, you know, and look at their phone and, you know, do, do other things. And I see people who are really genuinely entering into worship. And I tell you, the ones that enter into worship will always have a benefit that the others don't have because God can open the heart of a worshiper to hear the word and to be receptive and for, for the seed to, 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 to be able to be planted and to take. Hallelujah. God opened their heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, another thing that the gospel writers talk about as far as the, the good grounds, the, the people that are good ground, what do they have in common? Another one of those things Jesus said, they keep the word. Keep. K-E-E-P. That means they're holding fast the word there, keeping it in memory. They're possessing it, retaining it. Or uh, I like this, they're keeping firm possession of. I got this and I ain't letting it go. (laughs) No way am I letting this go. It's like somebody finding out for healing for the first time that God actually doesn't just care about your spirit and about eternity, but that he cares about something temporary in the here and now. And you find that out, it's like, woo, that's almost too good to be true, but it's true. I see it in the book. I know it's real, and ain't nobody talked me out of that. So if anybody said, well, yeah, that, that's the way it used to be way back in the day, but God doesn't do that anymore, you don't pay any attention to that. Say, forget about it, blah, 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 blah. You know, that that just doesn't even phase you (laughs) because you're keeping firm possession of what you heard. What does the Bible say about keeping the word? Hebrews 2.1, this is big. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. The, the, I believe it's the original King James of that. It, it says that we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we let them slip. You don't want to drift away. You don't want to have something that you once held on to, and then you start to lighten up on the grip or lessen the grip, and then you let that thing drift away or you let that thing slip away from you. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on tight. Jesus said to one of the churches in Revelation, he said, hold fast what you have. Hold on to it tight. Don't let it go. That's the idea of keeping the word. How about this? 1 Corinthians 15. This is huge, y'all. Wow. I just was uh, digging into this today, and it's pretty amazing. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, what on earth? You believed it and you received it. But the Apostle Paul said, It could all be in vain if you don't hold fast to it. I want to keep the word. Hear the word and keep it. 
Keep it. Glory to God. Keep it. And, and anybody tries to talk you out of it? Nope, nope, won't be talked out of it. The, the enemy will try to talk you out of it. Nope, won't be talked out of it. Uh, you know, so he'll say, well, maybe the Bible really doesn't say that. Maybe it really says this, you know. It's like, you, you know, you know the, the, the old religious idea, well, maybe that doesn't apply to uh, uh, things on this earth. Maybe that only applies to spiritual things, you know. Of course, any time that, that you need to believe God for something that is right here in the here and now, terra firma, you know, something you can touch, feel, and hold on to, you know, that, that's when the devil would like to say, to you, oh, yeah, that, yeah that, that's, a, that's spiritual things. Whatsoever spiritual things you desire, not any other kind of things. So he, he's always there to try to talk you out of things. But we're the ones who hold on and not just the, the ones that hold on for a while, we're not going to go ahead and believe and receive and then get to the point where, where it's going to all be in vain because we let it go. No, we believe it, we receive it, we hold on to it, you keep the word, you keep a firm grasp on it, and you don't let it go because you don't want to have just success for a little while. No, you want to have long-term success here. Hallelujah. You want to have long-term success for the rest of your Christian life here on earth all the way until you stand before the Lord and hear the words, well done. Hallelujah. But here's something that I just heard in my heart today as I was looking at this verse. And, and I, I like baseball, so I, I related to this right away. But you, you might like golf better than baseball and the same principle applies. But I heard this inside of me. Follow through on your swing. Follow through on your swing. <laughs> hey, why is that? Because if somebody's not following through on their swing, then they're not getting the maximum benefit they can get out of the swing. There's something about following through on the swing that, that, that caused uh, Aaron Judge to be able to do what he did last night and set a new record in the American League. And uh, even though I'm not a fan of the team, hey, you, you can't argue with the accomplishment. And uh, he followed through on a swing. That's the way he swings. He follows through on a swing. You watch a good golfer, what do they do? They follow through on their swing. So it's the follow through. The, the fact that I'm not just going to go ahead and do this till I have a little bit of success and then lighten up. No, I'm going to go ahead and follow through on the swing till I'm all the way through. All the way through. And that's what keeping the word is. It's following through on your swing, not just hanging with it for a little while, but hanging with it for the distance. Praise God. Now, Luke also talked about this in relation to the good ground in the parable of the sower. He talks about bearing fruit with patience. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> patience is a necessary factor in fruit bearing. Because the full manifestation of the fruit does not happen all at once. It is progressive. It starts under the ground first before it pops through the dirt. Someone get that with me. It starts under the ground first before it pops through the dirt. Now, Jesus talks about this, uh, this process here in Mark chapter 4. A statement he made after 
talking about the parable of the sower. And he said, so he's attaching this to what he was already talking about. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Verse 28, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that, the full grain in the head. So the first thing, you plant a seed, the seed's in the ground, and it, it doesn't look like anything at that point. You, you just cover it up with dirt. It doesn't look like anything's happening. But then after, after some care and some watering, then you see what was planted there pop through the dirt. But then the process is not yet over because first you see the blade and, uh, and then you see the head. And after that, the full grain in the head, or if you're going to liken that to corn, you, you might see that little greenery coming through first. And, and, and then you see uh, a stalk starting to form. And, and then after a while, that's not just green leaves looking at me. Inside of there is a, a wonderful piece of uh, corn that is ready to be boiled and buttered, somebody. Take me back to summertime right now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, but, but you see that it's a process. Patience. Bear fruit with patience. Because if it pops through the, the dirt and you say, oh, look, I got something. But, but that, that's not everything yet. That, that, it's coming along, but it's not all the way there yet. It takes patience to go ahead and go all the way through until fully developed. Are you with me? All right. James 1.4, James says it like this. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We're talking about bearing fruit with patience. So if you do let patience have its perfect work, then you're perfect and complete and lacking nothing. But the opposite is true that if you do not let have, if you do not let patience have its perfect work in you, then you won't be perfect, you won't be complete, and you will be lacking something. So patience is a very important part in the process of bearing fruit. How about this, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, starting with verse 5. And here we're going to see a word called perseverance. How many of you have ever had to persevere in life? You know, it's like perseverance, that's, that's the action of patience. You know, that, 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 that uh, being patient is, uh, is, is when you persevere through something. When you keep on going through something, when... When you would really say, oh boy, is, is this really going to get me to where I need to go? But, but you keep on going, you persevere, that is the action of patience. So uh, it says, but, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, verse 6, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. 
Wow. Did you see what I just saw? Perseverance, along with all those other ingredients, but we're highlighting perseverance right now as we're talking about bearing fruit with patience. If you persevere, and if you let that abound, if you let that abound in your life, the Bible says that you will not be barren and you will not be unfruitful. Can somebody say praise the Lord? So that is really taking all that the gospel writers said about that good ground and putting it all together. But let's talk about this. What about God's desired end result? Well, the bottom line is that God wants you to be fruitful. We know that. The, the end of Proverbs twelve twelve says the root of the righteous yields fruit. That's what God's looking for. How about 2 Kings 19.30? And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Take root downward, bear fruit upward. Now think about this. Taking root downward, that's what nobody can see. You can't see that happening. So that part of the process, you know, uh, talk about walking by faith. You're walking by faith because you don't see that happening. You don't see a root forming. You don't see a root developing. So it takes root downward, but then it bears fruit upward. So it takes root downward where nobody can see it, and then it bears fruit upward because it pops through the ground where everybody can see it. And you know what? That very much sounds like something that the scripture says about John the Baptist. The... Uh, the, the King James Version of this verse, it's the last verse of Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 verse 80, where it says that, uh, uh, talking about John the Baptist, that the child grew and he waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing to Israel, to Israel. So it says that he grew and he waxed strong in spirit until the day of his showing to Israel. And I read that one day and I got this little rhyme inside of me and it went like this. The growing comes before the showing. The growing comes before the showing. So once again, here you've got a guy out in the wilderness. Who's going to go and listen to a preacher preaching out in the wilderness? He's out preaching there. I mean, who else goes to the wilderness? And yet John ended up having multitudes coming out there to hear him. Why? Because when, when he was out there, he, at first, he was taking root downward. But then when he sprung up, he sprung up upward. And, and now he's no longer invisible, but very visible. And people coming from everywhere to hear him and to be baptized by him. What a great example of that. So you might have a situation in your life where, where, where you know, it's on the downward part. You know, the seed's planted, but hey, <laughs> what's up? Is it really working? Is it really going on? And that's when you go ahead and walk in faith and walk in patience and believe that if you're doing what God said to do and doing it the way God said to do it, that it is working. And then what happens? Then it pops on through the dirt. And everybody sees and everybody knows at that point, yep, it was working all along. Even when we didn't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. Hallelujah. Now, Whoa, this is, this is hot stuff, y'all. Get ready for this. We're going to wrap up soon. I'm not going to keep you all night. Jeremiah 17. This is amazing. 
Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Keep going. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Wow. Check this out. Go back to uh, the, the rest of verse 8, the, the, the slide previous. So it says that he will not fear when heat comes and will not be anxious in the year of drought. You remember hearing that the word can be heard by multiple people and not have the same result. We've documented that well, not just by the parable of the sower, but by, by what the, the, the Hebrews chapter 4 says, that the, the word preached did not profit some of them because they didn't mix it with faith. But in the same way that the word can be heard in different people and produce different results based on the condition of the heart soil, heat and drought don't have to get the same result everywhere it goes. It can wreak havoc in one location while it has no impact, no impact on the plant who has their roots locked into the water source. I mean, you got to look at what we're reading here. It says that this uh, tree that's planted by the waters does not fear when heat comes. And is not anxious in the year of drought. Why? Because heat may come and drought may come, but it does not have an impact on this tree because this, treats, uh, this tree is rooted, has its roots right down into the water. Hallelujah. What does that mean? Your water's, water source as a believer it's the word and the Holy Ghost. Come on now. It's the word because Jesus said, now you are clean through the word I've spoken to you. Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of water by the word. You read John chapter 7 talks about uh, uh, where Jesus said that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water and specifically says that this he said about the Holy Spirit who's coming. Hey, and then he talked in John 4 to the lady at the well and said, if you drink from this well, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink from the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. So if you're hooked into God's water source, you will experience heat at times. And you will experience drought at times. But as long as your roots are firmly connected to the water source of the word and the spirit, you will not be affected by either one. You won't fear when the heat comes and you won't be anxious in the time of drought. How big is that? Glory be to God forever. 
that you, even though you've got things coming against you, and you might say, well, it's not looking real good for me now. It's getting real hot or it's getting real dry. But you know this, that external circumstances can change. External things can come against you and try to mess with you. But I'll tell you, when you know that you are securely connected, your roots connected to the water source of the word and the spirit, you know that none of those things will impact you. Hallelujah. In the same way that the same word can be heard by a whole lot of people. Some people get it, some people don't. Well, in that same way, drought and heat can come and mess with a whole lot of people. People that don't have their roots in the water, they'll be impacted. But people who do have their roots in the water will not be impacted. You've got God's word on it. And if we can add one more to that, let's go ahead and take it one step further and go to Psalm 1. And I think this will be a good place to wrap it up tonight. There's more in here in the notes. That's why you can go ahead and check out the notes. But Psalm 1, this is going to be a good place to stop tonight. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This person here, just like that tree talked about by the prophet Jeremiah in the same way, this one here, planted by the rivers of water, got your roots going down to the water. Come on now. And you're bringing forth your fruit in its season. Your leaf does not wither, and whatever you do, prospers. You think, man, that's just too good to be true. There ain't no way that whatever I do can prosper. Well, yeah, I tell you, absolutely it's true. And that can be true of you. And what's the connection? Once again, it's the tree that's planted by the rivers of water. It's this one who, as the previous verse says, they're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You've got some ungodly people that said, oh, you, you know what? You, you can't afford to die. Or, 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 you know what, uh, uh, you, you, you know, you, you need to save some money. You know, I, I, I remember Angela and I, we're going to celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary tomorrow. Praise the Lord. 15 years of heaven on earth. And let me tell you, just before we got married, there, there was some person who thought that they wanted to come and give me some advice. This is counsel of the ungodly. They said, you know what, y'all should go ahead and live together for a while so you can go ahead and save up some money. And, you, you, you know, I'll tell you what, that didn't faze me in the least. I mean, that just, you know, water off a duck's back in, in one ear, out the other. It's like, no, I ain't doing no such thing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I don't know about people that do five-year engagements. Lord have mercy, but... We ain't going there tonight. But I got to tell you, the bottom line, I wasn't going to go ahead and listen to ungodly advice. No, I tell you, I'm going to listen to godly advice. Hallelujah. And then what else does it say? This person, they're not sitting in the seat of the scornful. They're not standing in the path of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. They're not being scornful and complaining and griping and, and doing all that kind of stuff. What are they doing? No, they're delighting. Rather than fussing and complaining, they're delighting. What are they de delighting in? They're delighting in the law of the Lord. 
You know what they're doing when they're delighting? They're holding on to it. They're keeping it. Just what we talked about before. Holding on to it and keeping it and not letting it go. Because they realize that, that, you know what, no matter how much I hold on to it, there's something in there I didn't get. <laughs> I, I hold on to it a little bit more and I see more in there than I saw before. I hold on to it a little bit more and it becomes bigger to me. It becomes more real to me. I, ain't no way I'm giving up on this. The longer I hold on to it, the bigger it gets, the better it gets, the more I see. Woo, I ain't giving up on this. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, this here is all about maximizing fruitfulness. And the part that we're not getting to here, I'll just let you know what it's about, is that how plastered it is through Scripture. You'll look at it on the notes later if you'd like. That God is glorified through our fruitfulness. You're the one that bears the fruit, but you're not the one who gets the pat on the back. When you're bearing fruit, the Father gets glorified. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God forever. Hey, let's take some time to pray tonight. Father, we honor you. We're so thankful, Lord, for the word of God. So thankful, Lord, for what you have uh, communicated to us of your heart for us and your desire for us tonight. I pray for everybody here in the house, those watching by live stream, Lord, that, uh, that, that they would really come to know you and experience you in all your fullness, that they would be like the tree that's right there by the river with the roots connected to the water, receiving all the strength and the nourishment they need from the word of God and the spirit of God in Jesus' name. If you're here tonight or if you're watching my live stream and you say, man, I'll tell you what, talk about bearing fruit and bearing maximum fruit. I'm not even hooked up to the tree yet. I realize I'm not even a believer in the Lord Jesus. I'm not even taking the first step to get connected to the tree. Well, I tell you, he loves you. And, and Jesus died on a tree so that you can get connected to his tree. Hallelujah. And so tonight, if that's you and you know that the Lord is really tugging on your heart and, and, uh, and you see your need for a savior, don't hesitate another minute. Don't think about it. Don't let anything talk you out of it. This is your night to, to meet Jesus face to face. Glory to God. To know him as your Lord and